بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أرسل الله تعالى بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا داعيا إلى الله بإذنه وسراجا منيرا فما بعد فقال تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون وقال يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وقال نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه واله وصحبه وسلم ان ان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي محمد صلى الله عليه واله وصحبه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدع وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار my dear brothers sisters elders I remind myself and you to stay away from the trap of minimalist thinking trying to do the least to get by I want to share with you a quote from Sir Henry Royce of Rolls-Royce He said strive for perfection in everything you do take the best that exists and make it better and when it does not exist design it i want to repeat that it's such a beautiful quote he says strive for perfection in everything you do take the best that exists and make it better and when it does not exist design it among the rolls royce legends is one where charles rolls the rolls of rolls royce went to meet henry royce in henry royce's workshop and henry royce had designed a car so charles rolls went there he saw the car he walked around it and so on and then he said can you please start the car and henry royce said the engine is running Now when somebody starts with that baseline it's difficult to beat them right Now let me remind you on myself that fundamental laws don't change ever The law of gravity for example or the law of thermodynamics or aerodynamics or any other fundamental law will not change irrespective of who is affected by it or whether or not somebody likes it success is a fundamental law the law of success is passion generates power power builds strength and strength moves mountains passion generates power power builds strength and strength moves mountains without passion there can be no success and remember passion 
must be demonstrated in dedicated application to the cause without which strength will not build. Let me illustrate with an example. <clears throat> Take the case of somebody who claims to want to memorize the Quran, which I am sure includes every one of us here in this budget. Versus somebody who takes two years, dedicates two years, takes two years out of whatever he or she is doing to spend with a teacher memorizing Quran. Every day. They do nothing else. Two years, they are sitting in that Darut and they are memorizing Quran. Two examples. What do we see when we look at the life of Rasulullah and his Sahaba? Do we see an interest in something? Or do we see total dedicated passion? I ask you and myself, seriously ask this question to yourself. What are you passionate about? Passion, I'm not talking about what are you interested in? What do you really like? No, no, no. None of that. What are you passionate about? Because that will determine the trajectory of our earthly and eternal lives. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَأَلَّيْسَ لِلْإِنسَانِ إِلَّا مَا Allah said, a man can have nothing more than what he does, good or bad, according to the effort. So what are we working for? <clears throat> I don't mean a hobby. We are talking about passion. Passion means... Full-time dedication to the cause. Not what you do on weekends or not what you do when you feel like it. No. When Rasulullah sent Musa ibn Umayr to Medina to preach Islam, what did he do in Medina? He preached Islam. He preached Islam. <clears throat> did he start a business to take care of his daily affairs? Did he ask somebody to employ him? Did he get employment? He recognized that his sustenance was the responsibility of his employer, which in this case was Rabul Alameen. What was the result? What was the result of the dedicated passion of Musa ibn Umayr Starting with Asad bin Zurara, then Usaid bin Hudayr, then Sa'ad bin Ubadah, and Sa'ad bin Mu'ad, radiallahu anhu ajma'in, and most of the Ansar accepted Islam at his hands. And after about four years of his life in Medina, he became the standard bearer of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the battle of Ahad, and he attained shahada. Was he successful? Seriously, I'm not asking a Sunday school question. So don't give me a Sunday school answer. Don't give me any answer at all. It's for you to answer. It's for me to answer. Do you really think that Musab ibn Umair anhu was successful? And if we think he was successful, then we have to ask ourselves, how does my life compare with the life of Musab ibn Umair? What were his results? What are likely to be our results? I remind myself and you that passionate people don't look for shortcuts. They don't indulge in minimalist thinking. 
they do their best and then they do more. And that is why I began with Sir Henry Royce's quote because that is how more than a century later, 60% of Rolls Royce cars ever built are still on the road. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَتَّخِذُ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا يُحِبُّونَهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ وَلَوْ يَرَى الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا إِذْ يَرَوْنَ الْعَذَابَ أَنَّ الْقُوَّةَ لِلَّهِ جَمِيعًا وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ شَدِيدُ الْعَذَابِ Allah said and of mankind there are some who take for worship others besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as rivals to Allah. They love them as they love Allah. <coughs> Allah is not saying they hate Allah. No. <coughs> Equal. Love of Allah and love of something else. But then Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبَّ لِلَّهِ But those who believe, they love Allah more than anyone and anything else. And then Allah says, if, if only those who do wrong could see when they will see the torment that all power belongs to Allah. إِنَّ الْقُوَّةَ لِلَّهِ جَمِيعًا لَا هَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is severe in punishment. My brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defined Muslims as those who love him intensely more than anything else. I ask myself, does this definition apply to me? We need to ask ourselves this. Does this definition apply to us? And if we say yes, then what is the sign of that? What is the sign of love for anyone? One of the first and most visible signs is the desire to spend every waking moment with the beloved. When the lover needs to go away from the beloved for an unavoidable reason, he won't go for any other reason. If he has to go for some unavoidable reason, he or she seeks to return to the company of the beloved as soon as possible. Rasulullah used to call to Bilal bin Rabah and he used to say, Arehna ya Bilal, give me relief, relaxation, give us relief, relaxation, pleasure, give us peace, tranquility. How? By calling the Adhan. By calling the Adhan. Bring us into the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For us, what is Salah? What is Salah? Duty? Burden to be shared, finish, let us khalas, tick the box, I've done. In Urdu we say, Namaz se farig ho gai. Faragat mil gai. Boj halka ho gaya. Ye mohabbat ki nishani. Relief, farig ho gai. Khatam ho gai. Done. Is this a sign of, of love? Salah for us, we pray not when Allah calls us at the beginning of the time, but when we feel like praying, at our convenience. I don't care what reason it is. Does this demonstrate love? Does this demonstrate passion? This is the sign? Or does it, does it show what again in Urdu we say, Bezargi? Tiredness, boredom. Which one? Do we try to do more or the bare minimum? 
Do we try to look for ways to excel or to get by with escaping punishment? Do we have taqwa or are we fatwa shoppers? Remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not count. Allah will weigh. And the weight depends on the intention of the deed. The love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was the passion of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. And is the passion of all those who call themselves his ummah. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to include us among them. The love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a pillar of Islam. It is not discretionary. It is not left to us. It is obligatory. It's a boundary condition. It's not a frill. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, قُلْ إِنْ كَانَ آبَاؤُكُمْ وَأَبْنَاؤُكُمْ وَإِخْوَانُكُمْ وَأَزْوَاجُكُمْ وَعَشِيرَتُكُمْ وَأَمْوَالٌ اِقْتَرَفْتُمُوهَا وَتِجَارَةٌ تَخْشَوْنَ كَسَادَهَا وَمَسَاكِنُ تَرْضَوْنَهَا أَحَبَّ إِلَيْكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَجِيَادٍ فِي سَبِيلِهِ فَتَرَبَّسُوا فَتَرَبَّسُوا حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ اللَّهُ بِأَمْرِهِ وَاللَّهُ لَا يَهْدِي الْقَوْمَ الْفَاسِقِينَ In Surah Tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Say, Ya Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, tell the people, Say, if your fathers, meaning parents, if your sons, meaning children, if your brothers, meaning siblings, if your wives, meaning spouses, if your kindred, meaning extended family, the wealth that you have gained, the commerce in which you feel a decline, and the dwellings, the houses, the palaces, the villas and what not, that you, you, that you look at and you delight in, are dearer to you, are more beloved to you than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam and jihad fi sabilillah and striving in the path of Allah then wait فَتَرَبَّسُوا go get out vanish disappear Allah does not need you فَتَرَبَّسُوا حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ اللَّهُ بِأَمْرِ Allah is not saying get out and I no no you will not be left alone you will be punished go and wait for the punishment of Allah and then Allah reiterates وَاللَّهُ لَا يَهَدِ الْقَوْمَ الْفَاسِقِينَ Allah will not guide the people who are rebellious May Allah protect us from this. Think about this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu listed the things that we normally love. All of them and love for them is halal and permissible. Some even earn rewards with Allah. Like taking care of family and halal earnings and taking care of parents and so on. But if one gives precedence to them over his or her love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and striving in the path of Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only rejects such a person, but promises his punishment. Love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and for his deen, is obligatory and must be demonstrated, not only claimed. My brothers and sisters, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us to understand this and keep this in our minds and to live our lives according to that. Aqulu qawli hadha astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa li sa'ilil muslimin fastaghfiruh innahu huwal ghafurur rahim.
الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على شرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا فما بعد فقال تعالى إن الله وملائكته يسلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد My brothers and sisters the sign of love is to do more not less to claim to love someone but only to do the minimum to maintain that relationship is hypocrisy it is nifaq it is a lie as someone said give allah the best not what's left while all charity is meritorious it is only when someone spends what he or she truly loves that it becomes the evidence of sincerity before allah remember that that remember that with allah Simply claiming is not enough. Love must be demonstrated. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested Ibrahim alayhi salam by first ordering him to leave his wife and son in a barren valley in the service of Allah. And then to sacrifice his son as a sacrifice to Allah. When we go for hajj and ibadah which is a sign of love, we leave all our comforts. Comfortable clothes, comfortable homes, food that we like to eat. the company of our spouses and we wear the ihram we sleep on the floor we eat whatever we can get and we control our anger and we are polite to people to strangers we stay up all night and we stand in arafa all day in the sun to demonstrate our love for allah subhanahu wa taala then what about our tendency usual tendency after hajj to do the minimum and yet allah ask allah for the maximum Hajj is to learn and apply those lessons to the rest of our lives. Think what what would happen if we did that. Anas bin Malik radhiyallahu anhu says he narrates that Abu Talha al-Ansari radhiyallahu anhu who was his stepfather owned the most date orchards in Medina. He was a very wealthy man. He owned the maximum number of date orchards. Among them was a very prized orchard called Barha. which was situated directly opposite Masjid Nabawi Sharif and Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi used to go and sit in that orchard it was very cool and there was a well there with beautiful clean sweet water and Nabi sallallahu alaihi used to sit on the wall of the well and he would drink that water and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed lan tanalu albirra hatta tunfiqu mimma tuhibbun wama tunfiqu min shay'in fa inna Allah bihi alim Allah said by no means You can never attain albir, the level of piety with closeness to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, unless you spend mimma tohibbum, what you love the most. Unless you spend hatta tunfiku mimma tohibbum, until you spend. Allah is not saying until you spend next summer of one billion dollars. No, what you love the most, and Allah knows what is in your hearts. Allah knows what you do. Abu Talha al-Ansari radhiyallahu anhu went to Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he said ya Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam from all my property my most beloved possession is this barha and I want to give this in the path of Allah please take it and do what you want with it Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam advised him to give that property and distribute it among his closest relatives The hikmat of that is a different thing but this is what he he didn't stop him 
So give it to your closest relatives. So he gave it. Anas bin Malik says that he gave it to his close relatives and the sons of his uncle. And this is in Bukhari. My brothers and sisters, the final story I want to end with is so amazing that I can only marvel at the power of love of Allah. The 18th Amendment of the United States Constitution banned the manufacture and transportation and sale of intoxicating liquors, of alcohol. And that began a period in American history which is called the Prohibition. Prohibition officially went into effect on January 17, 1920 with the passage of what's called the Wallstead Act. What happened? It opened a period of bootlegging and dealing in alcohol, illegal manufacture and transport and sale, which resulted then in literally millions of dollars being spent in law enforcement of trying to enforce prohibition. And remember, this was in 1920. A 1920 dollar is worth $15 today. Hundreds and thousands of people were imprisoned and crime boomed. Eventually, the U.S. government gave up. And the attempt to ban one of the greatest and biggest killers and destroyers of society, which is alcohol, failed. In early 1933, December 5, the, with the 21st Amendment of the Constitution, the 18th Amendment was repealed. That day must be remembered with grief. December 5. Why? Let me put things into perspective for you. Again, numbers. I'm talking data here, not my opinion. According to WHO, the number of deaths from COVID worldwide from November 19 to April 2022, this year, was 6,142,579. So take 6 million. Leave the 100,000 or 150,000. Over the same period, alcohol killed 7,216,438 people. And alcohol is a tax-deductible expense. We are not counting the number in this. I'm talking only about deaths. We are not talking about the number of people severely injured, disabled, families and lives ruined, and the billions spent in hospitals, and rehab because somebody had a great time at a party. And in the text of this khutbah, you will, I've, given, I've given you the links to the articles, read them. Now let's see how much Rasulullah spent. How many people did he imprison? How many people did he fine? When he introduced prohibition in Medina. Anad bin Malik again narrates. He said, I was in my house, I was pouring date wine for his own stepfather, Abu Talha Ansari, Abu Ubaidah ibn Jarrah, and Ubay bin Kaab. When somebody called out the ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prohibited alcohol, where Allah said, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, innamal khamru wal maisiru wal ansabu wal azlamu 
rijusum min amali shaitani fashtanibu la'allakum tuflihun Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said oh you who believe intoxicants all forms of intoxicants whether it's drinks or drugs or whatever gambling any kind of gambling al-ansab and aslam all kinds of fortune telling tarot cards and seances and astral astrology are an, abomi- are an abomination are a filth of shaitan's work avoid that so you may be successful swanath bin malik said radhiyallahu we heard this his stepfather was there he said anas he said throw throw away that wine and break the jars and anas bin malik radhiyallahu said that we poured out the wine and we smashed the containers now when rasulullah heard about this and this happened throughout madina they say that wine was flowing in the streets and drains of Medina. When Rasulullah heard about this, he called them. He said, why did you break the containers? Because containers are, you know, they could be washed and used. The Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, we did not want to be reminded of a time when we did not obey Allah. Now think about this. Until the prohibition came, were they disobeying Allah? No. Allah had not promised. There were two other ayats which came before that which showed that Allah disliked the thing but Allah did not actually terminate it. Allah did not say this haram. No. This is the result of the love of Allah. How many sahaba do you think went to Allah and said, Ya Rasulullah, uh, tell me, is it makru or is it haram? And I'm, I'm telling you this not, not because I'm being sarcastic because somebody actually asked me this question. They said, Allah said, Fajtanibu. Allah did not use the word haram. Eh? So stay away means what? So do you think the Sahaba went and said, Is it makru? Is it makru tahrimi or tanzihi? Does Allah dislike it this much or this much? Believe me, if you are fatwa shopping to find loopholes, if you are fatwa shopping, to find ways of doing less, then your mufti is shaitan. Seriously. That mufti, which is your own heart, and whoever is giving you those fatwas, to do less is shaitan. This is not Islam. Islam is not to try to do less. Yes, there are limits. Why did you, why, why did the fuqaha there was no term of makru karaha for the sahaba meant haram. Khalas. Allah does not like they didn't do it. Later on the fuqaha came with this term makru and then in harfiq we are makru tanzihi and tahrimi. Why? This is for the purpose of fixing and determining the level of punishment for something. You can't chop somebody's head for everything. This is not for us to hunt for ways of doing less. That's why I said, if you are fatwa shopping and if you are taking refuge behind, oh, but you see this hadith, oh, but you see this opinion, then that is from shaitan. And that's why Sayyidah Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu anha, our mother, she said, if ayat about tawheed and the glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had not been revealed to people, if that had not entered the hearts of the sahaba before the prohibition of alcohol, it would have been very difficult for people to leave intoxicants. 
when the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in the heart, the person is seeking to do more. Nothing is enough. I want to do more. My question, seriously, my brothers and sisters is, do we truly want to be successful? Ask yourself this question. Do we truly want to be successful? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us and His Messenger sallallahu demonstrated for us what it takes to be successful in this life and the next. And that is to do, to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do it in the way of His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Anyone who strives to do that to the best of his ability, not lazily as a burden, but for the love of Allah and His, and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa will be successful. It is as simple as that. Ask yourself and ask myself, is this the best that I can do? In everything, is this the best that I can do? Can I do more? If so, do it. If not, at least you try it. As I told you before, I'm repeating it. If you are using fiqh to do less, then you are mufti shaitan. Fiqh must lead us to Allah, towards Allah, nearer to Allah. Not away from Allah. Trying to hide behind rulings to escape obeying Allah and to indulge in our nafs is a fatal spiritual disease. And the problem with spiritual diseases is the effect lasts after we are dead. Physical diseases end with death. Spiritual diseases last after death. And that's why I remind myself when you let us strive to do our best. And ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his forgiveness for our mistakes. And finally let me ask myself and you. Do we love Allah? And before we answer yes. Let us remember. That Allah knows. Allah knows. I want to ask. I want to end with uh, requesting you for your dua. For uh, two of our dear brothers who have passed away. SubhanAllah, the uh, brother of one of, of one of them who passed away, he told me, you keep saying, I always say in, in Ramadan and so on and so on, I said, remember this can be your last Ramadan, this can be our last, last uh, etikaf. He said, this is exactly what happened. One of my very dear friends, and also my wife's brother-in-law, 55 years old. He died today, Juma. And his name was Intias Tumbi. And we also make dua for Zahur Bhai's cousin, Salim Bhai, who, ha- who passed away in an accident in Pakistan. Allahumma kfir lahum, warhamhum, wa'afihi wa'afwanhum, wa'akrim nuzulahum, wa'asim mudkhalahum, wa'aksilhum bilma'i wa'asthaljib al-barad, wa'naqihum min, min al-khataya, kama naqayta astawu al-abiyadu min al-danas. اللهم ادخلهم في الجنة وعيدهم من أذاب القبر وأذاب النار. We ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to forgive them and to grant them Jannatul Firdaus without hisab. We ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to give sabr to their families. We ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to enable us to respond to these wake-up calls because that is what the reality is. These are wake-up calls for us. We ask Allah to resp- enable us to understand and respond to these wake-up calls in a way that we actually change our lives. Rabbana faqfir lana dhunubana wa kaffir anna sayyatina wa tawakhfana ma'al abrar. 
ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنه وفي الاخره حسنه وقنا عذاب النار امين يا رب العالمين يا عباد الله رحمكم الله ان الله يامر بالعدل والاحسان وايتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم عذر يستجيب لكم ولا ذكر الله اكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون اقيموا الصلاه